0: whether it's been in Sunday school growing up, whether we've been in church as adults. Sometime or another we've we've heard of this account and uh, we find that in this account that even a man after God's own heart, even in him there is still darkness, there is still weakness, there's still sin. But yet he was a man after God's own heart. So if you'll begin reading with me and Verse 1, said, And it came to pass, after a year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him, and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Mabon and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. And it came to pass, in an evening tide, that David arose from off his bed, and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after that woman. And one said, Is not this Bathsheba the daughter of Elam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her. And she came unto him. And he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanliness. And she returned unto her house. And the woman conceived... And sent and told David, and told and said, "I am with child." And David sent Joab, saying, "Send me Uriah the Hittite." And Joab sent Uriah to David. And when Uriah was come unto him, David demanded of him, how Joab did, and how the people did, and how the war prospered. And David said unto Uriah, "Go down to thy house and wash thy feet." And Uriah and Uriah departed out of the king's house. And they followed him, a mess of meat, from the king. So we see here, as I've already mentioned, that this is David's great sin. This, uh, this does show us that even the, even the mightiest of men, even a man after God's own heart, there is still falling short of God's glory. There is no, there is no highest form of, on this earth where we won't fall short of God's glory. But what I'd like to draw our attention to this morning is what what caused this great time of sorrow and grief in David's life. And uh, upon studying it the the way that this all starts is how any great sin does start, even the sin that messed it up from the beginning when Saint Satan tempted man in the Garden of Eden. That's how every great sin starts, through temptation. And I think we as Christians, we see temptation sometimes as a losing battle. We think that we're going to be, uh, we've lost again and again and again to temptation. And there is no hope of, of overcoming it. Now we know that there is hope of overcoming it but through Christ, not us. So let's read here in verse 2. It said, And it came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw the woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. So we see here that David simply arose from his bed and he walked upon the roof of his house. Now, a lot of people think, you know, he was the king and he did have a lot of responsibilities. So maybe he walked upon the roof of his house, you know, maybe to clear his head, to think about things. My point in that being, he didn't leave his bedroom with the intent on sinning, did he? He wasn't in a great place of sin. a lot of times we think, as long as we don't go to these places of great temptation, we're safe from temptation. But that is not true. Temptation is everywhere. We cannot outrun temptation. We cannot hide from temptation. Now make no mistake. We are to make no provision for the flesh. We are to avoid places that we know we are going to be tempted more than others. Me personally is. A lot of you know before I came to Christ I was an alcoholic. So Therefore I know I have a weakness. I need to stay away from that. But even still yet we can be tempted in many places. We can even be tempted in church. You say, well, how can you say that? This is, this is God's house. We're safe from temptation here. I, I don't think so. If that's the case, why is there so much hurt within the church? Why is there so many lies told in the church? You see, temptation is not a matter of where we're at it's what's in our heart that is our defense against temptation but you see David walked upon the roof he was not intent on sinning and neither was Bathsheba Bathsheba was taking a bath and there of course there's nothing wrong with that I take one once a week whether I need it or not no but we can't go around with this notion that that as long as we so to speak hide under the bed, that the monsters won't find us. We carry the monster within us. We've got to. We're like that little boy who sees a shadow and he's scared of it. And no matter which way he runs, the shadow's still there. Why is the shadow still there? Because he carries the shadow with him. It's not an outward. It's not an outward battle. It's an inward battle. But you see, when David went out to, on his roof and he saw Bathsheba, he had a choice. A lot of times, like I said, we see temptation as a losing battle. David could have saw the woman. He could have turned back, went into his house. He could have even went back to war like he was supposed to be in at this time. But what did he do? It said David sent and inquired After the woman. He did not turn. He did not seek his God. He fed deeper and deeper into the desires of his flesh. And we live in a world in the society today where our leaders encourage that kind of behavior. We think, as long as it makes you happy, go ahead and do it. How many of you ever heard that before? Because after all, this is your life. Who is anybody to tell you how to live it? And there's nothing wrong with happiness as long as it's in the Lord. In fact, there is no greater joy than the joy that comes from the Lord. Amen? But if what makes you happy is sinful, Paul says in Colossians that we must mortify the deeds of the flesh. We're not to feed into them. We are to kill them. I don't know how many times I've heard just out and about in the workplace, various places. We got this saying I've heard multiple people say, well, if you're out and about and you see someone of the opposite sex, that's attractive. You're going to look. That's just human nature. While that is human nature and we are prone to fail, is that really how we see temptation? Do we have no victory? Do we have no hope of overcoming temptation? A lot of times we fight temptation with the wrong weapon we come and we we take our self-righteousness we take what we've known and we try to overcome it in our own strength a lot of people they ready to put the boxing gloves on and go toe to toe with the devil let me tell you something you are no match for the devil he is stronger than you he is more powerful than you and you have no hope of overcoming him But we do know one who can crush him with the snap of his fingers, though. If I'm, I got two little boys, of course, y'all all know them. They're usually up here on stage or running under the pews or something. But if I'm out and about, say I'm at a, I'm at, took them to the playground, and here comes this big burly man with intent to do them harm. Do I want Freddie to try to fight him? No, I want him to come get his dad. How much more do you think your heavenly father wants you to go get him? So we see here that David inquired further about the woman. And he sent messengers and took her. And she came unto him, and he lay with her. And she was purified from her uncleanliness. And she returned unto her. But before that, it said, David inquired after the woman... And one said, is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So we think, we, we look at that there, and if a young man is in his court in years, and he's looking to find someone to make a bride, what's the first question that you ask? Is she married? Is she single? Well, David here sees that she's married. But temptation is blind in his heart. He does not care that she is married. He does not care about the circumstances. All that he cares about at this point was he wants what he wants, and nothing's going to come in the way. I think a lot of times that we can be like that in our Christian walk. We see something, we see the desire of the flesh, and rather than running to God, we think, well, I want what I want. We don't like to admit that as Christians. But how, how do we overcome that? We run to Christ. We run to our Father. It said, And the woman conceived and sent and told David and said, I am with child. And David sent to Joab saying, Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. So we see here that though we fall into temptation and the time of temptation is over, we still have repercussions for what we've done. The effects that we have of our temptation far outlast just the heat of the moment there. Temptation is just for a moment, but the effects can last a lifetime, as we see here in David's life. Not only that, but they always have a way of finding us out, don't they? No matter how much we think we've outsmarted God, he is God over the universe. And your sin will find you out whether you like it or not. So we see here that she's pregnant. Now still even here, David has a chance to do the right thing. He has a chance to admit his fault. He has a a chance to come clean to her husband, come clean before God. But what does he do? Oftentimes what we try to do, we try to cover up the mess that we've made. And can I just say, there's freedom in surrender. There's freedom in lifting up your hands and saying, I've done wrong. There's freedom in coming clean. You don't have to hide. Why don't we have to hide? Because God already knows what we've done. We can't bury it. We can't hide it from God because God is everywhere. But even though God is everywhere and we sin so greatly against him, His mercies are new every morning. No matter how bad we mess up. And you're looking at a boy that's messed up plenty in his life. But no matter how bad we mess up, God is still there to forgive us. Now we're not to, now it says you being dead to sin, not to serve sin. We are to daily pursue being more and more like Christ. But we're going to mess up, of course, as we know. We're only human. But God's mercy is new every morning. But you, say, you see it says, And when Uriah was coming to him, David demanded of him how Joab did, and how the people did, and how the war prospered. And David said to Uriah, Go down to thy house, and wash thy feet. And Uriah departed out of the king's house. And there followed him a mess of meat from the king. So you see, David is trying to butter up, so to speak, Uriah. He's trying, to, he's trying to get him really to go and sleep with his wife so he can pawn this off on Uriah and not take credit for the sin that he committed. He's trying to hide his sin. But how does that go for him? He said, But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his lord and went not down to his house. And when they had told David, saying, Uriah went not down into this, to his house, David said unto Uriah, Camest thou not from thy journey? Why then didst thou not go home into thine house? So David's got, David's got this intent. He's got this plan to pawn this off on Uriah to cover up his sin. But we see that doesn't work for him. David's, you know, he's, he thinks he sent Uriah on his way. He's like, whew, dodged a bullet there. But he wakes up and what does he see? Uriah is still there. And David, of course, he's a little angered at this point. He says, why is Uriah still here? I sent him to go home. What's he doing here? Look at Uriah's response. said, and Uriah said unto David, the ark in Israel and Judah abide in tents. And my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go into my house to eat and to drink and to lie with my wife as thou livest And as thy soul liveth, I will not do this thing. We see here, Uriah is more dedicated to the military than David is at this point. David says, or Uriah says, while my men are out in battle, while they abide in tents, while they're they're at war, I can't just sleep, you know, go down and sleep in my own house, in the comfort of my own house. There are men at war. We see here that Uriah is more dedicated to the cause than David is at this time in his life. Which should thrill David that he's got such a dedicated soldier. But rather than that, it makes him mad because he interferes with his plan to cover up his sin. And David said to Uriah, Tarry here today also and tomorrow, and I will let thee depart. So Uriah abode in Jerusalem that day and the morrow. And when David had called him, he did eat and drink before him. And he made him drunk, and that evening he went out to lie on his bed with the servants of his Lord, but went not down to his house. So here's David with another attempt to try to cover up his sin. He said, well, I kissed up to him. I tried to send him home. That didn't work. So now I'm just going to get him drunk, see if I can get him, get him to go home. You see the pattern here? He dives deeper and deeper and deeper into sin. The further he pursues his temptation, the farther he goes into sin. There is no, no outfall in God. God knows all. God made all. And therefore, we, we can't pull the wool over his eyes. God has his ways of revealing our sin to us. Galatians 6 says, That be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth that shall he also reap. It says he that soweth after the flesh shall of the flesh reap what? Corruption. But he that soweth after the spirit shall of the spirit reap what? Eternal life. Whether we it doesn't matter, we plant seeds in this life, no matter whether it's a good seed or a bad seed, we will reap what we have planted. There is no way around that. But we see here that even David's attempt to get Uriah drunk did not work. So David, again, he takes a step deeper into sin. He tried deceit before, then he tried getting him drunk. Now he's going to kill him. We see, and it came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. And he wrote in the letter saying, Set ye Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle, and retire ye from him, that he may be smitten and die. And it came to pass, when Joab observed the city, that he assigned Uriah into a place where he knew that valiant men were. And the men of the city went out and fought with Joab. And there fell some of the people of the servants of David, and Uriah the Hittite died also." So David tells Joab, he says, "I've tried to get him he don't tell Joab this, but David's thinking in his mind, I've tried to kiss up to him, I've tried to get him drunk. Now I'm going to flat out kill him." He tells Joab, "Put him in front of the hottest battle there is. Put him in front of where the arrows are flying, where men are being killed. You put him in the forefront and then have men draw back from him. He makes sure. That Uriah will die. And we see that Joab does just that. He obeys obeys the the command of the king. And Uriah is killed as a result. And it says here, starting in 18, said Then Joab sent and told David all the things concerning the war, and charged the messenger, saying, When thou hast made an end of telling the matters of the war unto the king, And if so be that the king's wrath arise and he say unto thee wherefore approach ye so nigh unto the city when ye did fight? Knew ye not that they would shoot from the wall who smote Abimelech the son of Jerobisheth? I don't know if I pronounced that right but I just kind of went for it. Did not a woman cast a piece of millstone upon him from the wall that he died in Thebes? Why went ye nigh the wall. Then say thou, thy servant Uriah the Hittite is also dead. So Joab is thinking, David's going to be mad because we've lost a lot of men. I'm going to have, I'm going to have to answer to this because they, because they lost a lot of men. But we see further in Scripture that the messenger said he went and came and showed David all that Joab had sent him for, and the messenger said unto David. Surely the men prevailed against us and came out unto us into the field, and we were open, and them even unto the entering of the gate, and the shooters shot from off the wall upon thy servants. And some of the king's servants be dead, and thy servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. So Joab thinks that when he brings this news back to the king, that David is going to be furious. But we see here that when David is told Uriah the Hittite is dead, that's a moment where David goes, Now it's over. He's dead. I don't have to worry about it anymore. You see, men were killed in the act of just trying to get Uriah killed. David didn't care about that. Look at his response here. It says, Then David said unto the messenger, Thus shalt thou say unto Joab, Let not this thing displease thee, For the sword devoureth one as well as the other. Make thy battle more strong against the city, and overthrow it, and encourage thou him. So David says, uh, says, you know what? So to speak, that's going to happen on them big jobs. He's excusing what has happened. He's saying the sword devoureth one as well as the other. He doesn't care about the men that have been killed just as long as Uriah is killed. We're like that with our own temptation. We don't care about the cost of hurting others. We don't care about even the cost of dragging the name of Jesus Christ through the mud. As long as we get what we want, we're happy. It shouldn't be that way. So then David thinks he's got away with it. It says, And when the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she mourned for her husband... And when the morning was past, David sent and fetched her to his house. And she became his wife and bare him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. So David thinks that the victory has been won. His sin has been covered up. He is off the chain. He can take a sigh of relief. But the thing he did displeased the Lord. And you may think that you can cover up what you do in this life that you can walk in here on Sundays and sing the hymns and listen to the preachers and then walk out of here and live like the world all week long and you think that has no repercussions you are wrong you may deceive man but you will not deceive God but we see here David thanks that He thinks that he's pulled the wool over everybody's eyes. But God sends Nathan. Read here with me in chapter 12. And the Lord sent Nathan unto David, and he came unto him and said unto him, There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb which he had brought and nursed up and it grew up together with him and with his children it did eat of his own meat and drink of his own cup and lay in his bosom and was unto him as a daughter and there came a traveler unto the rich men and he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was come unto him, but took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man, and he said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, this man that has done this thing shall surely die, and he shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing and because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. We see here that God sent Nathan to David. And in our own Christian walk and in our own lives, we hear about these great sins that people commit. And we say, they deserve death. They don't deserve forgiveness. Hang them in the highest tree, make an example out of them. This thing is not right. Fella going around murdering. Hanging, Fella going around gossiping. But you are much like David. You are that man. We are, we are that man. We're we're so ready to to condemn others for doing wrong, but while we do the same thing. Just the only thing, only difference is, they do so outwardly. But we do it inwardly. And we think that no man sees the inward darkness of our hearts. You say, well, I have no darkness in my own heart. You are a liar. There is darkness in your heart. Even if you are saved. Yes, you are saved. The Holy Spirit abides. But there is still darkness to be overcome. As long as we're on this side of glory, there is still sin in our hearts we all still fall short of the glory of God. So rather than beating others down, rather than going around gossiping about them, which, by the way, is a sin, rather than ranting and raving on Facebook, why not try to help them? Why not try to tell them about the gospel? Why not show mercy to them? like you have been shown time in and time in again. But we see here, i gotta got to hurry up here, I'm going to go over. Nathan said to David, Thou art the man, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. And I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives into thy bosom, and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if, That And if that had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword and hast taken his wife to be thy wife and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house because thou hast despised me and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee in thine own house, and I will take thy wives before thine eyes, and give them unto thy neighbor. And he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of the sun. For thou didst secretly, but I will do this thing before Israel and before the sun. So we see here that no matter what we've done, In secret. God will make known. The Bible says. Every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess. That Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of the Father. All that you do. Will not be hid. It will all be revealed. One day. You will not stand before God. In a three piece suit. and a medal of honor. On judgment day you will stand before him naked, nothing to cover your uncleanliness. But if you're saved, you will have the blood of Jesus Christ applied to your account, which is the only reason why we have any hope. We cannot rely on our accomplishments, our achievements, our wit, nothing but the blood of Jesus. If y'all turn to Psalms 53 with me or 51 I'm sorry this psalm is David's plea for forgiveness after he has committed this great sin with Bathsheba after he's killed a man we see that even though he had consequences in fact he's going to lose a child All because he felt a temptation. We know that. We know that famous story of. How that did displease the Lord. The child did get sick and he did die. But still even then. He said. He can't come to me but I can go to him. But if we begin reading Psalms 51 and verse 1. David this is directly after a time where Nathan has made known his sin to him, that God has convicted his heart. And I want you to notice the, the passion of this plea. It says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness; according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquities and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before thee. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight. That thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part. Thou shalt make me to know wisdom. the joy of thy salvation, and uphold with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifices would I give it, Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. Y'all highlight this next verse here. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and a contrite heart. O oh God, thou wilt not be displeased. It says, Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. And then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offerings, the whole burnt offering. Then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. This psalm brings great comfort to me. Though David had messed up and messed up big time, we think taking another man's wife, killing him, lying about it, covering up, don't get a lot, it don't get more badder than that. Is that how I say that, Sharon? <laughs> No, but we, we see how David messed up big time. But he can still go to his God and plead for forgiveness. No matter how much we mess up, no matter how roarly we think we've broken things, God is always there with forgiveness. Are we there ready to do the same with our neighbor? are we still holding bitterness towards our neighbors? David says in this passage, against thee and only thee have I sinned. David acknowledges his transgression. He knows, like we all should, that whenever we sin against somebody or in the the privacy of our own hearts, the only person we really have sinned against is God Almighty who has every right to send you to hell. Who has every right just to, just to eradicate you and to be done with you. But His mercy is new every morning. Not because you're anything special or not because you're anything good, but because we serve a good God and He loves you. Quit trying to play games with God. Quit trying to cover up your sin. Quit trying to put on the mask. Come to God as David did. Acknowledging your sin. It says make these bones that you have broken rejoice. I rejoice that that God breaks me down. I rejoice that God chastises me. though Though I don't like it. But why do I rejoice? Because that shows... That he loves me. He chastises who he loves. Wrapping this thing up, I just want you to know there is victory over sin. There's victory over death and there's victory over temptation. You can overcome temptation but not on your own strength. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens, who strengthens me. And that's the context that he meant it in. A lot of people take that verse as to, well, I guess I can jump off a ten foot building and be all right. No, that's not the context that Paul meant that. Whether it's overcoming sin, whether it's loving a neighbor, whether it's forgiving somebody who has wronged you, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I I thank you for this time. I thank you for this opportunity. Father, I thank you for this body of believers. Father, I pray that we take the truths of your word and we apply them to our hearts. Father, I pray that in the upcoming hour that we come expecting something. Lord, that sinners would be converted. Lord, that people who have been playing games, people who have been faking salvation, will repent of their sins and come to the Lamb of God. Father, we love you. You are so merciful. Help us to worship you with the right heart and the right minds. Thine the glory only. In your name I pray. Amen.